As we look at the story that forms the text for the message today, there's a central truth I want to hold up for you. I want you to see it. I want you to remember it throughout the message. And I want you to claim it as a personal promise for your life. Here's the truth. God still delivers. Let's say that together, would you? God still delivers. In this story, there's a man of God who has been suddenly arrested and put into prison by King Herod Agrippa I. Peter's deliverance from this Roman jail serves not only as an historical account of an event from the early church, but there's also a spiritual application that can be made. This story illustrates how you and I are set free from the spiritual chains of darkness and then enabled to walk in the freedom and victory that is our inheritance as believers in Jesus. Verse 4 is kind of interesting to me when it says, when Herod had seized Peter, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him. I mean, think about that. Here you have one aging fisherman being taken prisoner and guarded by four squads of soldiers. <laughs> interesting. But no sooner had Herod taken Peter prisoner than the church got together and began to pray. Verse 5 describes it this way, prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. In response to their prayer, God delivered Peter from prison. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in the cell. You'll find this if you read through the rest of that chapter. There was a bright light. The chains fell off his hands. The guards were put into a deep sleep so they didn't see him walk past. The gates of the prison swung open. Peter was set free from prison by the power of Almighty God. Now, you need to remember this is not something reserved for the first century believers. This is not something that stopped happening when the last apostle died. But God is still in the delivering business. That's what this choir was just singing about, that he is a chain breaker. In reality, see, each and every person born on this earth needs deliverance from the prison house of sin. That's the meaning of Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When it says that, that really does mean all. It doesn't mean all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, except those who were born to American Christian parents. It doesn't mean all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, except those with famous names. It doesn't mean all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, except those with uh, tremendous wealth. No, no. Every one of us is in this condition. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are held captive in the prison house of sin's slavery, and sin is a harsh taskmaster. It isn't just that we have violated God's law. It isn't just that we have rebelled against his will. The worst part is that we have embraced an identity contrary to his plan and purpose for our lives. As a result, we are sinners bound and enslaved to sin. That's the bad news. And I've discovered you can't really know how good the good news is until you know how bad the bad news is. That's the bad news today. But thank God there is good news. 
even though you may be a prisoner of sin, the good news is God still delivers. That's the meaning of that verse we learned in Sunday school, John 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. That's the meaning of John 8 and 36. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The power of God is still at work today. He is still bringing deliverance from every influence and every effect and every semblance of sin. When you turn to him in humility and contrition and simply say to him, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the prayer that releases the delivering power of the Lord over your life. I'm telling you, he will loose the chains. He will break the fetters. He will open the doors. You will go free completely delivered from the bondage of sin. This deliverance that I'm talking about today is a complete deliverance. When God does something, he doesn't do something halfway. He takes it all the way to the finish line. It is a complete deliverance. That means, first of all, we have been set free from the penalty of sin. From the moment sin entered the human existence, it exacted a heavy price. The Lord speaks through the Old Testament prophet in Ezekiel 18.20 and says, the person who sins will die. The price of sin is revealed in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The price of sin is articulated in Romans 8.18. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. The penalty of sin is death. But God still delivers from the penalty of sin. This deliverance comes through the cross of his only begotten son, Jesus. At the cross, the penalty for sin was paid once and for all. Jesus died in my place, and he died in your place. His death became the sacrifice that satisfied the demands of the law and became the final payment for the debt of sin. I want to tell you, because of the cross, I have freedom instead of bondage. Because of the cross, I have life instead of death. Because of the cross, I have heaven instead of hell. It's true, the wages of sin is death, but that's not the end of the verse. God still delivers. Because of his delivering power from the penalty of sin, the verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. (laughs) Listen, 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 if you've come to the cross If you've asked God for Jesus' sake to forgive you of your sin, if you've been born again, if you're saved, you don't ever have to worry about paying the penalty of sin. You don't have to carry the guilt and the condemnation and the weight of sin. You don't have to wonder about your eternal destination. You don't have to strive to work hard enough to gain enough brownie points to earn the favor of God. It's a gift, freely given. You receive it by faith, and when you do, you're free from the penalty of sin. When God delivers, not only does he deliver from the penalty of sin, but he also delivers from the power of sin. The power of sin is its ability to keep our spirit in bondage. As long as it holds us in its fetters, we cannot be free to be all God has created us to be. We're just like Israel was in Egypt. 
They had been given an inheritance. They had been given a promise from God, but they could never receive the inheritance until the bondage of Egypt was broken. In the same way, you need to remember you've been created in the image of God. Why don't you just look over at your neighbor right now? Just, just go ahead. Take a good look. Take a, look them up and down. Yeah. There's somebody created in the image of God. Isn't that what your Bible says? My Bible says that. You have been promised a royal inheritance as a child of the heavenly king. But there's a power struggle going on. Sin has declared war, and Satan has declared war on God and his creation. There's a power struggle for control over nations, over cities, over churches, over homes, and over individual lives. It isn't a physical struggle, it's a spiritual struggle. It's a battle for your mind. It's a battle for your attitude and your priorities. It's a battle for your will and your emotions. It's a battle for your soul and your spirit. The Apostle Paul describes this battle in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He tells us it's a battle against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And just in case you were wondering, there is no possible way you can hope to win this battle if you try to do it with your own resources. The good news is when you surrender your life to Jesus, then the power of sin over your life is broken. This is the message of 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. This is the message of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Jesus, likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. That simply means there is a power of sin, but Jesus has greater power, and he sets us free from that power. When we are in Jesus, then we are no longer under the dominion of darkness. We are no longer slaves to sin because the power of Jesus has delivered us from the power of sin. When Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished, at that moment, the power of sin was destroyed. And according to Romans 8 and 14, you are now a child of God. According to verse 15, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And then in verse 16, he tells us the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I'm telling you, the power of Jesus is greater than any power sin once held over you. Jesus is in you by the power of his Holy Spirit, so that now in 1 John 4, 4, we have the assurance, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Somebody ought to give praise to God if you believe that today. Hallelujah. Because God still delivers, you are free from the penalty of sin. You are free from the power of sin. It also means you are free from the pollution of sin. Whenever sin has been present and then is removed, 
it always leaves behind a mess that has to be cleaned up. <laughs> Sin leaves a residue that has to be dealt with. Sin gets into the system and pollutes. It pollutes the way we think, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we treat our neighbor, the way we treat our family members, the way we treat our own bodies. Sin in our lives cuts deep ruts, and it becomes natural for us to act and react and think and respond in the same way we've always done, just following those channels. Probably the one question I've been asked in my pastoring experience more than any other, the one issue I'm called upon to speak to more than any other is this issue. How do I get rid of the pollution of sin from my life? They may not say it that way, but that's what they're asking. How do I break the habit of losing my temper? How do I conquer the addiction? How do I get off the treadmill of abusive behavior? How do I resist temptation? How do I get out of the depression? How do I get past this paralyzing fear? How do I live as an overcomer? How do I get rid of the residue and the pollution of sin in my life? The Lord speaks to the apostle and says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When you come to Jesus, positionally, you are free from the pollution of sin. When the Heavenly Father looks at you who are in Jesus, he doesn't see you filthy and contaminated by the pollution of sin. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees you clothed in the righteous robes of his son, Jesus. He sees you sanctified and cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. He sees you in a spiritual sense like Peter in our story. You're outside the prison house. You're walking around the streets of Jerusalem, completely free from the penalty and the power and the pollution of sin. Some of you were wondering if we were ever going to get to Peter. Well, here we are. When you look down in that story all the way down to verse 9, here, you'll find these words. Peter went out and continued to follow. This is the angel that has released him from prison. Peter went out and continued to follow, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Now watch this. Peter is unshackled. The prison doors have swung open. The guards are completely oblivious to all that is happening. But Peter isn't rejoicing, he isn't excited, he isn't praising God. Why not? Because he still sees himself as a prisoner. I'm helping somebody here. He thinks he's seeing a vision, he thinks he's dreaming. This isn't real. Peter doesn't begin to walk in freedom and live in victory until two verses later. Verse 11 says, and when Peter came to himself. The next verse, verse 12 continues, says, and when he realized this. 
Only then does Peter begin to walk in the experiential freedom of the deliverance that has already been brought to his life. In reality, there are some of you who are just like Peter in your spiritual walk of liberty in Jesus. You have repented of your sin. The blood of Jesus has been applied to your heart. You are a new creation in Jesus. You have been delivered from the penalty and the power and the pollution of sin. God calls you righteous. God calls you saved. God calls you justified. God calls you free and whole. But you haven't yet taken hold of the reality of your deliverance in Jesus. Some of you are free, but you think you're dreaming. This sounds too good to be true. And as a result, you're acting like you're still in prison. You're still living like you're chained to the guards. You're still living like the prison doors are shut and barred. You need to pinch yourself and wake yourself up. You need to realize Jesus has brought his complete deliverance to your life. Sin no longer has any power whatsoever over you because the power of the cross has come to your life. You are not a victim. You're a victor. You're not a pauper. You're a king. You're not under the pile. You're seated in heavenly places. You're not defeated. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus. At the beginning of Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word for transformed is where we get our word metamorphosis. And you know this, it describes the process of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Now think about that for a moment, would you? Here you have this caterpillar creeping along the tree branch, eating leaves, secreting a sticky slime to help him stay on the branch. He's pretty defenseless. He's an easy target for some bird's lunch. But one day, this caterpillar gets over in an out-of-the-way place, begins to spin a cocoon around himself. He stays in that little place for a time, and all the while he's inside that cocoon, something wonderful is taking place. He's changing, transforming, until one day he breaks out of that cocoon, and when he steps out into the sunlight, he's completely new. No longer is he a caterpillar. No longer does he creep along the tree branch and eat leaves. Now he's a beautiful monarch butterfly. There are bright colors on his wings. He doesn't crawl. He catches the breeze and flies. He doesn't eat leaves. He sips the sweet nectar of the flowers. And I want to tell you, this is a picture of what has happened to you who are in Jesus. You've gotten shut in with God, and something wonderful has happened. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You've been transformed by the power of the Spirit of Christ, and now you're a beautiful butterfly. butterfly. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but there's a problem. The problem is some of you are beautiful butterflies, but you're still thinking and acting like caterpillars. You don't realize you've been delivered from the former life. 
You don't realize you've been delivered from the negative way of thinking. You don't realize you've been delivered from the bondage of addiction. You need to look in the mirror of God's word and realize you're not a caterpillar any longer. You're a butterfly. You need to fill in those old ruts and let the Holy Spirit carve out some new paths that are in keeping with your present condition of being free and victorious in Jesus. Some of you remain in bondage to sin because you don't realize the freedom you have in Jesus, so you just need to wake up. Others of you remain in bondage to sin because other people won't believe you're free and you believe them more than you believe the reality of God's work in your life. Oh, pastor, that's good. If I didn't want to mess it up, I'd just take the mic and drop it. But, but, but that's, that's too expensive a piece of equipment to be dropping on the floor, okay? So. I want to be a good steward of God's property, okay? <laughs> see, that's what we see happening here in verse 15 of the story. You read on down in the story, you find that Peter came to the home of Mary, who was the mother of John Mark. Knocked on the door. Servant girl, Rhoda, answered the door. Heard Peter's voice. She got so excited, she ran back to tell the others Peter was at the front door without first opening the door to let him in. When Rhoda burst into the prayer meeting exclaiming Peter was at the door, the people said to her in verse 15, watch this, you are out of your mind. Here's what I've discovered. Sometimes it's easier to pray for deliverance than it is to accept deliverance when it comes. Because the moment you accept the truth that you are delivered, at that moment you become responsible for walking in the liberty you've been given. And then verse 16, the next verse becomes key. But Peter continued knocking. If you want to walk in the victory of Jesus, you are going to have to keep insisting you are free. You are victorious through the power of the cross. Confessing your deliverance is what will keep you from yielding to the temptation. Confessing your deliverance is what will keep you from following the ruts of the old manner of life. Every time you are drawn to eat what you should not eat or drink what you shouldn't drink or inject what you shouldn't inject or say what you shouldn't say or think what you shouldn't think or go where you shouldn't go or act like you shouldn't act. The way to fill in that rut and carve out a new channel that is in keeping with your deliverance in Jesus is to look at that desire and that temptation. Look it in the eye and say, I don't do that anymore. I've been delivered. I don't say that. I've been delivered. I don't go there. I've been delivered. I don't, I don't ingest that. I've been delivered. 
I don't think that. I've been delivered. This is the meaning of what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. This is the meaning of his words in Galatians 5, verses 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And this is how you walk in the Spirit. You keep confessing the truth of God's word of, into the place of temptation. You keep proclaiming the truth of God's word that says, I am delivered from the penalty and the power and the pollution of sin. If you want to stay out of the prison house of sin, you're going to have to make a, con a conscious decision not to live in the old ruts any longer. You're going to have to lay aside the former things. You're going to have to die out to those desires not in keeping with the plan of God for your life. You're going to have to stay out of some of the places you used to go. You're going to have to stay away from some of the people you used to hang out with. You're going to have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which means you're going to have to replace the garbage with the truth of God's word. You're going to have to start thinking like Jesus thinks. You're going to have to think of yourself like he thinks of you. Not a dirty, rotten, low-down, good-for-nothing scum, but you're an heir of righteousness. You're a child of the heavenly king, someone of infinite value and worth. You're a saint chosen by God, holy, sanctified, set apart for service to the master. You're a servant of the living God. See yourself the way he sees you. I know your failure. I know my failures. I don't know all yours. I know mine. What are they, pastor? None of your business. None of your business. I have a hard enough time working on it by myself. I don't need you jumping on the bandwagon. But I, with all my faults and all my failures and all my insecurities, I refuse to let those govern my life. I have to, I have to constantly remind myself who I am in Christ and whose I am. I have to remind myself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I better start acting like it. I'm a servant of God. I'm not a slave to sin. I better start acting like a servant of God. How does a servant of God act? That's who I am. That's, that's who he calls me. So who am I going to believe? And Am I going to believe my own self? Am I going to believe the lies of the enemy? Because if, if his mouth is moving, he's lying. Am I going to believe you? Not on your life. I love you, but at the end of the day, there's only one whose opinion really matters. What is the Almighty's opinion of me? Paul even writes about this. He says, you know, 
I only have one master to please. That's the Lord. So what does he say about me? He says, I'm the apple of his eye. He says, I'm saved. He says, I'm his child. He says, he's loved me with an everlasting love. He says, I'm kept in his hand and nothing can pluck me out of it. If, if, I'm, if I'm sheltered and kept in his hand, that means before anything can ever get to me, it has to first pass through him. And if he lets it pass through to get to me, then I have to know that he is still working all things together for good because I love him and I've been called according to his purpose. See, you've got to keep reminding yourself, I am no longer in bondage to sin. I don't have to do this. I am free. I'm alive unto God. So his purpose can be fulfilled in my life. And then you're going to have to put on the new self. You're going to have to fill your mind with truth. You're going to have to reject the lies of the devil. You're going to reject the deception of the enemy and focus on the truth of God. And that truth is found in his word. That truth is a sanctifying truth. That truth will penetrate to every area of deception, every area of disobedience, every, every area, every pattern of unrighteousness. It will remove every bit of pollution left behind by sin. It will keep you clean. It will keep you holy. It will keep you blameless in his sight. I'm telling you, God still delivers. You can walk in that freedom. You can live in that victory. It can be more than just a nice sounding theory. It can be a reality for your life. It's possible through the cross of Jesus. Somebody needs to wake up to your deliverance today. Don't let anybody put you back in the old bondage by their negative expectations. I just want to know, is there anybody ready to walk in victory? Anybody tired of being defeated? Anybody ready to claim the hope of God's truth? Anybody ready to claim the promise of God's word? If you're tired of being defeated by your spiritual enemy and you're ready to walk in victory, if that's you, if you see an area and you say, Pastor John, that's me, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to embrace this victory, this deliverance that you've been preaching about, and I need that for my life. Without any fanfare or anything, I just want you to stand right where you are. I need it. I'm ready for it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for each one of these people right now. I'm praying that by the power of the Spirit of God, you will come to their life and you will transform them from the inside out, that this metamorphosis will take place. And Lord, most of them that are standing, as I look over this congregation that are of people standing, I know that they've already repented. I know they're already born again. I know they're ready, already walking in your, in your presence. But Lord, there needs to be something that takes place in their mind right now. There needs to be a shift. 
There needs to be something that happens not just in their mind, but in their spirit. It needs to be something now that will be, will be life-changing, life-transforming, that from this day forward, they will never see themselves the way they've always looked at themselves, but they will begin to see themselves the way you see them. And they will be able to walk in that experiential reality of the deliverance that you have brought to their lives. I'm praying that that today becomes a defining moment and a defining, a, a defining new pattern for their life. In the mighty name of Jesus, I believe, ah, I sense you doing that right now in somebody's life. Somebody is grabbing hold of that. Somebody is, 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 is embracing that for their own life. Father, make it so in every person now who shares in this prayer with me. Make it a reality in their life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, I want you who are standing or anybody else, if you didn't want to stand, I don't really care. I just want God to do something. If he'll do it in your life sitting, then let him do it sitting. I don't really care. I just want him to touch you today. But I want whoever is willing to embrace that to just begin to declare, I am no longer who I used to be. Come on, declare it. I am no longer who I used to be. I'm no longer who I think I am. I am who God says I am. I am delivered. I am completely free from the penalty, from the power, and from the pollution of sin. I am now transformed by the power of the Spirit of God that is at work in my life. Old things have passed away. I am a new creation in Jesus. From this day forward, I will walk in that freedom and I will live in that freedom. Now say it like you mean it. I will live in that freedom. Now give praise to God if you believe that today. Everybody stand, please. Take me to the key of F, please, Pastor Larry. Because I want to sing this as an affirmation and a testimony. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow I'm free from the guilt of my past for I've traded my shackles for a glorious song I'm free praise the Lord Free at last. Sing it with me, would you? I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I've traded my shackles for a glorious song I'm free praise the Lord
free at last. Do it one more time, would you? Come on, it's like you mean it. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last.